Okay, guys, we're going to uh, look at Hebrews today, Hebrews chapter 4. And again, we're going to talk about prayer and um, kind of build on some of the things that we've been talking about, even though we have finished the series in church on uh, being filled and overflowing with the Spirit, we still want to pray to that end, plus pray for other things that the Spirit uh, guides us to pray about. And so we're going to talk about uh, prayer in general, because I don't know about you, but I know for me, praying is a struggle. Would you agree with that? Would you say praying is a struggle? And, and I'm not just talking about the momentary prayers that we pray when we're in a crisis. That's not a struggle. Or even some of the silly prayers that we do. That's not a struggle. But serious, interacting with the living God of the universe on a, on a routine basis, um, that's a struggle. I mean, it really is. And so, Part of the reason why it's a struggle is we wrestle with uncertainty. Okay, so if, like, for instance, I saw Art today, stopped by his house, talked to him for a moment, and as I'm talking with Art today, um, I, I know he was listening to me, and he knows that I was listening to him. Why? Because of our interaction with each other. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because we're giving off uh, nonverbals, we're we're verbally agreeing and repeating back to each other what we're saying. So I was pretty certain he knew I was there, and he was and he was pretty certain that I heard what he needed to tell me. Okay. So now, when it comes to God. Unlike a human interaction, we don't have that. Because God is a spirit. And you can't go by your feelings. Let me just stop. Does everybody understand? You can't go by your feelings. Now, sometimes when you pray, God does give you feelings of peace and so forth. Right? Everybody agree with that? Okay. But a lot of times there is no feelings except for the feelings that we have of uncertainty, okay, of uncertainty. So here's what I want to point out about that uncertainty. Number one, silence, okay, we've talked about this for the last three weeks about silence. I'm just going to expand it a little bit more. Last week I said silence is our greatest enemy. This week I'm going to say it even more specific. Silence is our greatest enemy to our faith. Now, when I talk about faith, I'm not talking about the faith of Christianity. I'm not talking about the faith. I'm talking about your faith. Your faith in what? Your faith in God. And I'm not specifically necessarily talking about your faith in salvation. I'm talking about your faith in God in the sense that He loves you, cares for you. He promised certain things for you. He's always there with you. And silence creates an upheaval in our lives. Silence creates this 
does he really love me? I mean, like I've been praying about this for a while and I'm not seeing anything happening. In fact, you know, that light that I saw at the end of the tunnel, I hear a train whistle now. I thought it was the end of the tunnel. I was getting out of the tunnel. Now it's like it's only getting worse. And so silence is our greatest enemy to our faith. So here's what happens. Here's what happens with the uncertainty. We struggle with viewing prayer as one-sided. Okay, so like I mentioned, I was over there today seeing Art. And Art, Art, Art and I are talking to each other. Okay? Is that one-sided? Because we're interacting. Okay? When we pray, the problem is we think it's what? One-sided because the only one we can hear communicating is who? Ourselves. We feel like we're the only ones talking, and there's this silence. Do you know what I mean? There's this silence. And so we wrestle with uncertainty. So because of that, I thought, you know, here we are. Why are we doing this tonight? Why are we going to talk? We're going to talk about boldness, okay? That's what the title of this lesson is, is boldness. And, okay, well, you know, George, the uncertainty is pretty real in my life. How in the world can I be bold if I think this is a one-sided conversation and I'm not hearing anything, okay? Because we're, we're, we're told to be bold. How's that possible? Well, let's look at the scripture together. We're looking at Hebrews chapter 4. So if you're using a pew Bible, that's page um, 632. All right? Hebrews chapter 4. I'm just going to focus on three verses. You have read these before, okay? Hopefully you've read them before. I will remind you of them by reading them to you now. And then we're going to talk about them, okay? And hopefully... It will help us in not being crippled in our prayer by uncertainty, okay? Rather that we would be bold, all right? So look with me at verse 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take those three verses. I'm going to really focus on two things here. I'm going to look at a reality. We see that in verses 14 and 15. And then we're going to see how our approach should be in prayer. Okay? We're going to see the reality because you got to, you got to understand the reality because it's out of the reality that we can approach God the way that we're supposed to approach it. Okay? So let's talk about the reality. All right, number one, we have to recognize that we have an ultimate intercessor. You've got to recognize that you have an ultimate 
intercessor. Here he's referred to as our great high priest. Who's that? Jesus Christ. Okay, so most believers, that escapes them. Why? Well, we have this tendency to think we're going it alone in the Christian life. I'm the one who messed up. I'm the one who's got to deal with the consequences. I'm the one who God is, you know, maybe punishing or chastising for this. I'm the one, I'm the one, I'm the one. And we think we're alone. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, the enemy will come and whisper to you that you are alone. He wants you to feel that you are alone. But the problem is, is you're not alone. You've never been alone. Even in your failure, you've never been alone. Over and over, the testimony of Scripture is, is you are not alone. God doesn't give up on you because you messed up. Can I say that again? If you want to write that down, God does not give up on you because you messed up. In fact, remember I told you God has a plan for you? God's plan for you includes your mess-ups. Wow, isn't that awesome? Only God could do that. Okay, God's plan for you already had in mind your screw-ups. How do I know that? First John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. My little children, I run unto you that you sin not, but if you sin, you have an advocate. Jesus Christ the righteous. He's our advocate. What's he doing? When you sin, Father, I took care of that. How do I know he does that? Zechariah chapter 3, verse few verses there. Joshua is appearing, the angel of the Lord, which is the pre-incarnate Christ. Satan, Satan is accusing Joshua, the high priest. And here's what the angel of the Lord says to Satan. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? And then he, because Joshua is dirtied by his sin, he says, take off his ugly garments and put new ones on and put a clean turban on. Clothe him in righteousness. You have an ultimate intercessor. That's the first reality here. Okay, so let's stop. Why is that so important? Because so many of us, when we go to prayer... We're uncertain because we don't hear anything. Well, maybe it's because I did something wrong. Maybe it's because of my sin. Maybe, maybe, maybe God, maybe God remembered something that I confessed 50,000 times since 20 years ago or something. Really? Really? Seriously? You have an ultimate intercessor. You know, my, my mind, as I'm getting older, is not remembering some things. But I remember 30 years ago, there was a Christian singer. Um, and he sang a song called, What Sin? And, and I remember some of the lines. It happened so long ago, I cried out to you. And the response of God was, what sin? I think the guy's last name was Mains. It was a long time ago. This would have been 30, 35 years ago, okay? But the whole point of the song is, is how God sees us. We've confessed it. He's taken it away. The scripture says he's removed it from us as far as the east is from the west. So we have, the reality is, is we have to recognize we have an ultimate intercessor. Here's the second reality. 
Because of our relationship to Jesus, we must hold fast to our faith in him. What do you mean? What does that mean? Hold fast to our confession. Okay, what that means is you need to hold fast to your concept of salvation. Okay, so let me ask a question here. Did you have to do anything for your salvation? Was it based on anything you did or didn't do? Could you screw up enough that you couldn't qualify for salvation? No. Salvation is purely by what, folks? Faith. Faith in what? What Jesus did. See, salvation that you've received is because of what Jesus did. You think about the lo- a lot of the insecurity that we have in going to God and asking him is, is because we are so consumed with what we've done wrong and how he sees us We need to, like he's saying here, because of Jesus being our great intercessor, we need to hold fast to our confession. What's our confession? That it's by Jesus, not me. Salvation comes through faith alone, not what I did or didn't do. Who I am, who I'm not. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's all because of Christ. It's because of what he's done for you. So that's got to drive you. The problem is, is we're so used to human interaction. So let's say I do something wrong to Bruce. And we had a disagreement for a while. Maybe we were mad at each other for a couple of years. And then we kind of work it out, kind of work it out, enough to where we'll say hi to each other. But then something arises where I need Bruce's help. How am I feeling about going to Bruce and asking him for help? Because I'm not sure if it's really worked out. We might be talking, but we weren't talking for a few years because we were mad at each other. Would you say I'm pretty uncertain because I'm not sure where that relationship is? Because maybe I'm even the one who did something wrong that Bruce is mad about, and I haven't really really dealt with the issue. Isn't that how we operate as human beings? We, We are uncertain, especially if we're the ones who've done something wrong. Here's the problem. The problem is we act that way with God. Why do we act that way with God? I'll tell you why. Because we're not convinced that he's forgiven us. We're not convinced that it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with what Jesus did. Do you understand why we're we're wrestling with stuff then? It's all because of us. It's, way, it's our wrong, th- let's just call it what it is, our wrong thinking. So the writer of Hebrews is saying here, seeing that we have this high priest, that we have this great intercessor, let us hold fast to our confession. Let us, let us hold on to our faith that it's because of him, not because of us. Okay, here's the next thing. Here's the next reality. Jesus understands our human weaknesses. <laughs> We're good at covering ourselves. All right, everybody agree with that? We try to. Maybe there are a few people who know us, but we're pretty good at covering ourselves. And... We're pretty good at 
coming into a place like this, and especially in church, and presenting ourselves in a way that really doesn't reflect what's going on, the struggles that we have, the things that we're going through. You know what I'm talking about? We know how to put the smile on. In fact, we're so, that's so acceptable with us, okay? That's, because I'm, what I'm talking about is behavior that has become totally acceptable. If, if I were to go up to Randy and say, hey, Randy, how are you doing? And he were to say to me, terrible, this, 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 I would be shocked and offended, like, why are you dumping that on me? Don't you know you're supposed to tell me everything's okay? I don't want involved in your stuff. That's the attitude that we have, right? I ain't got time for this, Lord. Well, here's the problem. So nobody knows really where we're at. Even the folks that we're close to don't really know where we're at. They don't know your weaknesses. Now, here's the wonderful thing about our great intercessor that we're holding on to faith about. He does know our, our weaknesses because he experienced them. Did you understand what I'm saying? He, he understands what you're going through. So, so when I go to prayer, because again, you know, I talked to, I'm talking to Art, you know, Art and I for years, I think since 2007, we were, had been praying together on a Friday. So that's about 11 years, okay? And, there are times when I'll share something with Art and he'll share something with me. And, and that's because of 11 years of praying together. But I'll just be honest with you. Even though he shares it with me, do I truly understand what Art's going through? No. Does Art truly understand if I share something with him? Unless you went through it. That's exactly right. But even then, there's still the chance of no. But with Jesus, who knows everything, and who experienced it, he knows everything. Isn't that awesome? That's the reality that you've got to, to grasp. So, so if, as I go to God with my problem, I'm not worried about spending a lot of time explaining it to him. He understands. So here's the other thing. Jesus faced the same temptations as we do, and overcame them. This is what the scriptures say. He and likewise was tempted, but what? Did not sin, the scripture says. So as I'm going to him with my struggles and with my weaknesses, I'm going to somebody who completely understands, but I also am going to somebody who didn't give in to them and who can help me. Do you understand? That's reality. See, that's got to drive the way that you think. Because, now listen, what does the reality do? The reality, if you understand it and if you embrace it, strengthens your faith. Do you hear what I'm saying? It strengthens your faith. So because of this now, the writer of Hebrews tells us in verse 16 how we're to approach God. It's not from uncertainty. So look with me now. Let's talk about our approach. We are told to approach God with boldness. With boldness. 
Wow. How's that possible? Because I know he will hear me. I know that he understands me. I know that he died for me. I know that he loves me. Not because of me, but because of him. I know. Why? Because I have faith. My faith drives me to pray. My faith drives me to enter into his presence with boldness. Now, when I say bold, I'm not talking about like, hey, I need you to do this, God. No, that's, that's really, to be honest with you, flippant and arrogant, okay? But rather, it's talking about going to him by faith and saying, Lord, I need your help. Yes, Nancy. Yeah, yeah. Yep, confidence that fits right along. Yep. Yep. And actually, I, it fits with the whole concept of faith. Faith is a confidence. Confidence in who? God. Did you understand what I'm saying? Faith is not a, but just a belief. Faith is a confidence. Did you know, do you know what I'm saying? It's a confidence. So, the reality is, is that we're told to approach God with boldness. Now, here's the last point. We obtain mercy and grace because of our, because our boldness reflects our faith. Look at what it says. 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that, we're, that's why we're going, that, we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. It's because I'm bold enough by my faith, I'm confident enough by my faith to enter into the presence of God and say, God, I know that you can help me in this situation. God, I know that you will give me mercy. God, I know that you will give me grace. God, I know that you will give me wisdom. Interesting, isn't it? James, first chapter, count it all joy when you're struggling. And then if anyone lacks wisdom, just turn over. Turn over just to the next book, James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in what? Faith. Faith with no doubting. That sounds like confidence, right? See, remember I told you if I got this thing going on with Bruce and I know I need his help on something, I'm not sure what, what's going on in my mind. Doubts. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm not sure that Bruce is going to, because I'm not sure of the relationship. I'm not sure if he'll help me. He might tell me to take a hike. He might tell me some other things. You know what I'm saying? But when we talk about God, I don't have to be unsure about the relationship. Why? That's a reality. So therefore, I can go to him and ask him by what? Faith, confidently, boldly, boldly. And know what? That he'll hear me. That I'll obtain mercy and grace. That I'll get wisdom. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? So, okay, let's wrap this up. Let's bring it down to where we're at, okay? All right. 
Some of you need God to do something, whatever it is in your life. For some of you, it's you want to experience the fullness of Christ in your life, or you want the fullness of Christ in our church. For some of you, it's with regards to some issue. Maybe it's a health issue with a loved one. Maybe it's a relationship problem or some other difficulty. I don't know what it is. Only you know. What you need to know is that you don't need to worry about the one who you're going to pray to and what he thinks of you. That reality of that relationship has already been settled. He loved you. He died for you. He accepted you, not because of you, but because of what Jesus did. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so because of that relationship, because of that relationship, you have the total freedom to confidently go to him and say to him, I need your help. In fact, remember remember this, Jesus said, if you're going to come to him, come like a little what? Child. Okay, so, you know, Madison's home this summer, but I remember when Maddie was small and could talk a few words, and we had toys, and you probably had this experience too, and a toy would get broken, and I can remember Maddie coming to me and handing me a toy with confidence and saying, Daddy, fix Why? Because she believed, she had confidence that daddy could do anything. Now, daddy, to the best of his ability, would try to fix that toy, and some toys I could fix, but the ones I couldn't, I got rid of without her knowing, so she wouldn't think that I couldn't do anything. Now, I can't do that anymore. She knows better. So, but that's God. You gotta come to him like a child who trusts and believes in God. Boldness, confidence. Let that drive you tonight as you pray. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. And I thank you that it has already been settled for us who have put our faith in Christ that we are totally accepted by you not because of ourselves, not because of how many failures we've done or haven't done or what we've done right or where we came from or what we believe. Not because of anything about us, Lord, but because of Jesus and his obedience. And Lord, you have told us to come to you with confidence, with boldness, to seek help. Help us to grasp that reality Help us, Lord, as we pray tonight as we're led by your Spirit. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.